Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. Now, I want, I want to give you the whole chapter. I can't for the sake of time. So I really want you to read this chapter later because it'll give you the full scope of this moment. But Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, that's his uncle. He said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine. For we are both, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. So it's these two families that have a bunch of sheep and a bunch of cattle and a bunch of cows. And they're taking up the land and they're not fitting on this area of land. And so Abraham is saying, hey, take your family and take your your herds wherever you want to go. And wherever you go, I'll go the opposite way. And so Abraham is showing this amazing act of faith and honor. So Lot does that. Lot goes and he chooses what, what looked like in his eyes the best land that he could find, which was Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's a different story in the Bible that we could read at a different time. But he does that. Lot leaves. And so the Lord, verse 14, so the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him. And notice that the moment Lot leaves, God starts talking. Yeah. And sometimes you have to clear your space to hear from God. And sometimes there's a lot to get rid of. There's a, there's a situation that you need to distance yourself from to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So Abraham releases Lot, gives him the best land, and now God talks to him. And look what he says, look around, look around, look around from where you are to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you. All the land you see. So he says, look around all the land you see, I will give to you. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that um, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land I am giving you. Go on a trip. Go check it out. So Abram went to live near the trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. Then he built an altar to the Lord. Verse 14, look around from where you are, the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you. So last week we talked about see again, and this week I want to talk about see it differently. See it differently. You got to see it differently. You got to see it. You got to catch this. You got to see it differently. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you're going to speak to us now. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We yield to you, and we yield to your presence, and we yield to your word now. Speak to us, Lord, that we may see it differently. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen and amen. So again, the great Helen Keller, last week we talked about her. She was both blind and deaf. And she said this, there is something much worse than living with my condition. There's something worse than being blind, and that is living without vision. Proverbs 28, uh, 29, excuse me, verse 18 says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Or where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained or they run around without any purpose. So God says without vision, you're, you're going to perish. Your life is never going to fulfill what I called you to fulfill. Now, when we say vision, we're not talking about eyesight. We say vision, 
This word in the Hebrew language that the Bible was written in here is talking about prophetic insight, seeing it like God sees it, seeing your life like God sees your life, seeing your future how God sees your future, seeing your family like God sees your family, seeing your finances like God sees it, not just seeing it with these eyes, not just seeing it from from your eyesight, but seeing it from insight, seeing it from heaven's perspective, seeing how God sees. So Paul prays this for the people of God. Ephesians chapter one, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart, not this organ, this organ doesn't have eyes, but from the core of who you are, the very center of who you are, that you would see from the eyes of your heart, that you would see this from a spiritual place and not a natural place. Paul says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, that you may know and cherish the hope to which he has called you. So now he connects vision with hope. Because without hope, you'll never have a vision, and without vision, you'll never have hope. Vision is the picture of hope. Watch this. Your vision is the the picture of hope. Hope is a positive expectation of good, but vision is the picture of that expectation. You must have a picture in your heart of where God is taking you so that you don't just live by these two eyes, but you're able to live by a vision that God has given you. You see it differently because you don't see it in the natural. You see it by the promise of God, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody say amen to this preacher. And so eyesight shows us what is. Vision shows us what could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eyesight shows us what is. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, not denying that. But I'm not moved by that because vision shows me what could be. Now, this is not vision that I just decide to have. This is Holy Spirit-inspired vision. This is Acts chapter 2 when God says, I will pour out my spirit on you and you will dream dreams and have visions. So David Youngie Cho said it this way, that the language of the Holy Spirit is dreams and visions. That the Holy Spirit wants to give you a dream. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a vision for your life. The Holy Spirit wants to help you see your life, not through what you're currently going through, but where you are going to. Preach, preacher. Okay, I'm trying a little bit now. So you can live from a vision. And I, and I admitted this last week, man, through 2020, I didn't really live from a vision. I live from survival. I live from, we got to keep this boat called City Light above water, and we got to live, and we got to just make it, and it was a year of survival. I'm not mad at that or sad about that. It was just a year of survival. But I want to leave surviving, and I want to go to thriving. I want to live from vision, not just how do we stay alive. I'm ready for us to walk in all that God has for us, not only as a church, but for your life, your family, your future. Come on, say amen. Amen. And so I want to help you see it differently today. And for you to see it differently, point number one, you have to see it by faith. You have to see your life by faith. You have to see your your life by faith. Look what what Abraham says in verse nine. He says, Lot, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left choose. So what did Lot do? 
The Bible says he looked. I love this. He looked. We don't have time to read it, but he looked. And he looked down towards the valley, towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and the Bible says that he said it looked like the Garden of Eden. Well, number one, he didn't know what the Garden of Eden looked like. He looked around and he found the best land in the natural. And he said, uh, well, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll pick that, Brother Abraham. Because he picked with these. <laughs> and he got in a lot of trouble down there, by the way. That's a, that's a different story for a different time. And Abraham said, go for it. Because Lot walked by sight. Abraham walked by faith. I'm not saying that good opportunities can't come and that you shouldn't jump on a good opportunity. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Lot was absolutely moved by what he saw. Abraham was moved by faith. Abraham knew that he had the advantage over Lot because Lot was limited by what he could see. Abraham was only limited by the unseen God. Abraham was only limited by his own faith and by his own vision. So Lot could only see Sodom and Gomorrah when God told Abraham, you look left, right, you look north, south, east, west, wherever you look, it's yours. In other words, even the land that Lot is about to take is yours. Because you have a vision advantage. You have what he doesn't have. He sees it only with these eyes, but I'm going to give you the ability to see it from these eyes. So you have to see it by faith. Lot had his eyes on the best land. Abraham had his eyes on God. Lot was opportunistic. Abraham knew that God was bigger than one opportunity. Lot was thinking about right here, right now. Abraham knew God was bigger than right here, right now. See, you'll never have a vision for the future if you're only looking at what is right now. Because, because this sees beyond this, but these will only show you this. So you will live your whole life obsessed about a moment. Lot went, oh man, this must be the opportunity of a lifetime. But I've said this before, with God, there aren't opportunities of a lifetime. There are opportunities because God's bigger than any one moment. God is bigger than one moment of success and he's bigger than one moment of failure. Man, I missed it. Maybe you missed it, but you'll have another it. Because God's better, bigger than an it. God's bigger than a moment. God's bigger than a job. God's bigger than, a, than one season. God's, see, so, so Lot was taking advantage of the right here, right now. Abraham's going, yo, I'm here for a life, dog. God's, God's bigger than a couple of acres. You got to see it by faith. So there's this cool story in 2 Chronicles 25. There's a king who's going to go out to war. And he hires an army to go out to war. And when he goes out and he's about to go to war, the prophet comes to the king and he says, don't go to war. God's not in it. Don't go to war. God's not in it. Here's what the king responds with. But what about the hundred talents I paid for these Israelite troops? Well, I already spent the money. And the man of God replied, the Lord can give you much more than that. <laughs> the hand of God on your life is worth more than a hundred talents. <laughs> the blessing of God on your life is worth more than a small financial subtraction. And a lot of people... You have made moves. 
And maybe you thought it was God or maybe you knew it wasn't God. doesn't matter. You made some moves and you found yourself in subtraction and you, you can live so obsessed with a moment of deficit. And you go, but what about the hundred talents? What about what I lost? What about that business deal that didn't go through? What about that land that lost money? What about that, that uh, business venture that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out? What about, and you can live in shoulda, woulda, coulda. You can live in, but now, oh man, why didn't I buy Bitcoin last year at $3,000 a coin, man? Can God not give you much more than a Bitcoin? Can, oh man, we should have bought a house before it went up so much. God can give you much more than a house in a thriving market. Man, we should have done that. We should have spent that. We shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have signed with them. God can give you much more because we see it by faith. So God is bigger than one mistake. God is bigger than one opportunity. God is bigger than one thing that you didn't do that you should have done. But I know people that are obsessed with their hundred talents. Oh man, I lost so much with that thing. Oh man, I lost. And they live their whole life obsessed with what they lost. I'm not saying that isn't real. I'm not saying that doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that isn't a part of your journey. But you have to decide in that scripture, in one little verse, what's going to carry more weight. But what about the hundred? God can give me much more. I should have bought the house. God can give me much more. Oh man, I lost so much money. God can give me much more. Oh man, why didn't I say yes to that job? God can give me much more. Man, why did I mess up that? God can give me much more. You have to decide which one you're going to live in. I'm just going to live in the God can give me much more. Because if I live my whole life obsessed with opportunities that I missed, I'll be absolutely depressed the rest of my life. So I have to live with God will give me much more. I didn't, it didn't work out how I thought it was going to. God can give me much more. They took advantage of me. God can give me much more. Missed that moment. God can give me much more because I'm not obsessed with moments. My eyes are on Jesus and Jesus can give me much more. So to every person who feels lost right now, to every person who had a very challenging year to every person that feels like you are currently in deficit. God can give you much more, but you got to see it by faith because if you're like Lot, you're just going to get stuck in one time. But if you could ever live like Abraham and you could live beyond one thing, if, if you can learn to surrender that thing. See, a, a lot of people say, if you can see it, you can have it. But Abraham gave Lot the best land. So I want to submit this to Christians. If you can surrender it, you can have it. I'm asking people to surrender 2020 to God. I'm asking people to surrender disappointment to God. I'm asking people to surrender that, that moment that you're obsessed with to God. Because that moment has passed. And there are new opportunities in your horizon if you can trust the God of much more. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm just telling you, OMG, I have seen that play out in my life so many times. And I could tell story after story, but we don't have time. But I'm just telling you, this is who God is. Look what Isaiah 61, 7 says. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double 
portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. Can I tell you, that's your, inher- your inheritance is much more. Your inheritance is God's provision. Your inheritance is seeing it like God sees it. Lot, again, was obsessed with one, pas- uh, one little pasture of land near Sodom and Gomorrah. But when Abraham was able to surrender that, God said, wherever you see, whatever you see, you can have it. Wow. Number two. See the possibility. Am I helping anybody, by the way? Is this all right? Is this all right? See the possibility. Verse 14. Look around. Look around from where you are. Right where you are. God will start with you right where you're at. Oh, man. I'm in debt. God will start with you right where you are. Made a lot of mistakes. God will start with you right where you are. Not where I thought I'd be by 2021. God will start right where you are. Look around from where you are. Stop acting like you're somewhere that you're not yet. Because God won't bless the projected image that you're putting up. And if you can ever get honest about where you are, then God can actually start a work in you. Look around from where you are. Don't, Don't obsess with where you are. Look around where you are. Look beyond where you are. See what God could do in your life. See the possibility. Look around from where you are. Look to the north. Look to the south. Look to the east. Look to the west. All the land that, I, that you see, I will give to you. See the possibility. God says, Abraham, can you see it? Can you see it? This is why vision matters. Because you have to be able to see it. You have to be able to get a picture of your future. So so let let me say this. Mission is what should be. Vision is what could be. You need this for your personal life. I'm telling you right now, this will help you. Mission is what should be. Vision is what could be. And vision makes the mission enjoyable. You're going to shout in a second, I promise you. I know where I'm not lost. You're lost, but I'm not lost. Vision makes the mission enjoyable. Watch, watch. Mission is what should be. Man, we should work on our marriage. We should. We should go to counseling, man. We should. We should. Yeah, we should try that date night thing Jabin talked about. We should. We could have an amazing marriage. Man, we should go try that counseling. We could fall in love again. Do do, do you see it? The mission makes, excuse me, the vision makes the mission enjoyable. There are some some things that you just got to do, and the mission is the doing. But the vision is who you're becoming. Man, I should, uh, man, I should eat better, Yeah. Yeah, I should go to the gym, yeah. I could become healthy. I, I could get to a place of confidence. Man, I should, man I, should, I should watch my weight. I could get a six-pack. Hey, let's go. We're talking about vision now. I could. You, you got to see what could be. 
Because the could be will fuel your should be. Who you're becoming will fuel your doing. Man, I should pray. I really should pray, man. I should, I need to pray, man. I should pray. I could fall in love with Jesus. So that 90% of what Jabin's talking about isn't just so foreign to me. <laughs> man, I should read my Bible, dude. I got one. It's really nice. all leather and stuff. I should read it. <sighs> I could fall in love with the scripture. So that I'm not constantly living double-minded, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, one foot believing God and one foot doubting if there is a God. I could, I could fall in love with the truth. Man, I know I should tithe. I don't know how many times I have coffee with guys and like the, it's all guilty, right? You know, start talking and immediately like, yeah, man, so I know I should, you know, I should tithe, you know, like I checked before, you know, like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Man, I should tithe. I could become a cheerful giver. Man, I should, man, I should give. You know, I should help the church. I could become a source of blessing to my world. I could start walking under the blessing of God instead of under my own, just whatever I can do in my own effort. I could. I could. You know, man, I, yeah, I know I should. No, I could. Are you, are you catching this? Are you catching? Man, I should be a better parent. I know I should spend more time with the kids. I could lead an amazing family. Man, we should try to have dinner together. Everyone's. We could have an amazing family dynamic. God could heal our family. You don't just look at what should be. Nothing wrong with what should be, but you got to get a could be. So the mission is what should be, but the vision is what could be. And the vision is fueling my mission. The the vision makes the mission enjoyable. So the vision is the roadmap to my desired destination. We could call it destiny if that's a cooler word for you. If you want a destiny, that's awesome. Do that. (laughs) But it's the vision that gets me there. Okay, if you get on the 15 today and start going north, you're not going to get to L.A. I don't care how much you want to go to L.A., you're not going to get to L.A. It's the vision. See, because without vision, you lose restraint. You lose focus. You perish. I don't care how well-meaning you are. If you go north on the 15, you're not getting to La La Land. (laughs) But I want to. I know. But I heard downtown Disney's open and I want to go eat a slice of pizza. I know, me too. But as long as you're going north, you're not going to get there. And I... You could have the most well-planned intention. You could, you could be so sincere, but if you're going north, you're going wrong. The vision keeps you accountable. So you, so you pop in the little thing on your, on your map, and it sends you where you need to go, and you just have, and now you're not moved by every desire that comes your way. 
Because you got a, because you got homegirl, I can't say her name and she'll start talking to me right now while I'm preaching. But homegirl will say, you got to go south, bruh. And if I go north, I'm going to hit Tropicana and it's going to say rerouting U-turn. And then I'm going to hit Flamingo, rerouting U-turn. Then I'm going to hit Spring Mountain. And then I'm going to hit Sahara and on and on and on. Because my, my vision is my roadmap to my destination. This is why vision matters. Because, because what God is doing in you on the journey is even more important than ever getting to your destination. And I want to tell people in this room that think if I just had more money or if I was a little more talented or if I was a little better looking or if I came from a better family, you are not limited by those things. You're not. You're not. You're just not. I don't care what this culture tells you. You're not. You're limited by vision. Period. Well, if I, if I was born on the right side of the tracks, well, if I, if I could just start with a, with a little bit of money to get me going... You are, you are limited by vision. You're limited by, by nothing else but vision. Not talent, not education, not skill. It's go get educated, go for it. Become better skilled, go for it. Get more talent, absolutely. But it's vision. It's the ability to see. I'm just telling you. It's getting quiet in this Pentecostal church, but I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I know I'm preaching real good when it starts getting like, you just start seeing arms fold. Now, now I'm not saying, you can live as a victim to your circumstance if you want to and believe the lie that that's why you are where you are, but it's not, it's not why you are where you are. You, You are where you are because of vision. You're more limited by your lack of vision than any other resource. The other resources may be important, but they pale in comparison to vision. I hope I'm helping here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter the wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Come on, there's opportunity all around. Don't live in a small way. You're not a small person, but there are so many big people who have big opportunity, but they live their lives in a small way because they lack vision. So here's what your vision does. I, I, I could do a whole talk on this, but I'll just give you five minutes, or I'll give you two minutes. Five, five minutes, seven, seven minutes. Ah, 10, okay. Your vision chooses your daily routine. Your, uh, your, <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to be nice. Your vision chooses your priorities. You want me to say mine? Will that help me? Will that help you? My, my vision chooses my priorities. My vision chooses how I spend my time. See, because you got, you got the roadmap now. So if it, doesn't, if it isn't taking me there, I got to be brutal about cutting it out of my journey. 
Uh, my, my vision dictates how I spend, how I invest my money. My vision dictates my attitude in life. My vision chooses my diet. Yeah? Like eventually I'm going to have to get to the point at 37 that I'm not going to have another growth spurt. I'm going to have to get there. <laughs> Take that scripture off. Is that not funny? Like I'm not going to be 6'5". I'm waiting. See, I got a vision for it. See, y'all got quiet, so now I got to make fun of myself to loosen you up. It's going to choose my diet. My, my vision is going to choose my hobbies. My vision is going to choose my daily routine. My vision is going to choose my friends. You don't outgrow people because people are sacred, but you do outgrow values. Yeah. So as my values grow and increase, I may not be able to hang with you like I hung with you. Not because I outgrew you, because you're a child of God. I, I love you. But my vision dictates my relationships. Oh, you just think you're better than me. I'm not better than you. And people may say that to you. Oh, you just think, no, I'm not. We're, we're not better. I just, I know where I'm going. And you're going north and I'm going south. And I love you, but, but my vision chooses my friends. I don't choose my friends. My vision chooses my friends. My vision chooses my values. Okay. This is why vision. I want to help you because, because I don't want you to go through 2021 just surviving. Okay. I really want to help you thrive. And you got to get a vision for this year. Lastly, see it as sacred. See it as sacred. So you got to see it by faith. You got to see it. Uh, whatever point number two was, it was good. <laughs> so you got to see the possibility. You got to see it as sacred. I was like, my mind was racing. I was like, which one is it? Okay. You got you to see it as sacred. Here, here's what I mean. So Lot chooses the best land and immediately gets into trouble. Because he was doing it all in his own strength by his own intellect. And because he had opened the door to that seat, the, the problem with opening a door to temptation is that it, it doesn't just open a door to the one thing you're tempted with. It opens the door to temptation. Yeah. Yeah. So the moment Lot starts living by the natural alone, he opens the door to a, a mess of yeah. problems that you can read about in the next chapter. But because Abraham lived by faith, here's what he did. When he got to the land, verse 18, he built an altar. Huh. Starts worshiping. What is an altar? In the Old Testament, the altar was the place of sacrifice. The altar was the place of offering. The altar was the place of worship. The altar was the place of prayer. The altar was the place where you submitted everything to God. Abraham, the first thing he does is worship. You got to get this in your heart because I know people and I've been tempted with this and this has been my temptation that as you get more successful, 
and not just successful in any one thing or financially, just, you just, as life in some ways can get easier, you lose your altar. And you replace the altar, the place of sacrifice, with comfort. See, my temptation today, I'm 37 years old. I love my wife. I love my family. I love you. I love Jesus. My temptation is not to steal money. My temptation is not to have an affair. My temptation is not to leave the ministry. None of those things come up in my life. They just don't. But my temptation is to stop building the altar. Like church is just going. Life is just going. Things are good. Life is comfortable. And I can, I can lose my altar. And, and what we have to fight for in our personal lives is to see, even as the vision is coming to pass, I don't lose my altar. I don't lose the place that I worship God. I don't lose the place... So then all that God gives me, all that God gives me, because I've built an altar, all that God has given me is on the table. Because I've built an altar, all that God has given me is on the table. Everything is surrendered to God. Because I know people, they can get successful. Like when they don't have a car, they will take a bus to get to church. And all of a sudden they get a, a, a job and they get a car and all of a sudden they're they need the weekends to rest. But you used to serve all day and take a bus or walk or ride a bike or Uber. And I'm not talking about you. You're here. So relax. You, the, the blessing of God starts operating in your life and all of a sudden you stop building the altar. Never stop, and, I, and I'm preaching to me, because this is my temptation. My temptation is not to go do something radically stupid with my life. My temptation is to let comfort lead me instead of the altar lead me. So even as the vision is coming to pass in my life, and I feel like I'm walking in what God has for me, I must be like Abraham. And build an altar. Pray, give, serve, surrender, sacrifice. God, it's all on. God, whatever you want to do in my life, it's yes. So I see everything that I do as sacred, as worship, as praise unto God. And it's the altar that keeps me grounded. It's the altar that keeps me humble. It's the altar that keeps me prayerful. It's the altar that, keep, that keeps me staying as a worshiper. It's the altar that keeps me not putting all my faith in all of this stuff, but putting my faith in the God who gave me whatever he gave me. It's the altar. Y'all with me? And this is why you have to have an altar. Jabel, what are you talking? Do I got to go build something at home? No. That's why you got to read your word. That's why you got to pray. That's why you should at least a couple of times a week in your car have some worship music going in your car and you're talking to God and encountering the Holy Spirit. That's why you got to wake up in the morning and not just go through your day, but 
take, even if it's 30 seconds, you just get in your car and just for 30 seconds, surrender the day to the Holy Spirit. Say, okay, God, this is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. And, and you live from, ah, oh, the keys come up. You live from the altar. You live from a place of surrender, not a place of opportunity. You're chasing the presence of the Lord, not chasing the next big break. Oh, the altar. And it's from the altar. And you'll notice this about Abraham because over and over and over when you read the life of Abraham, and I'm going to preach on him again next week and maybe the week after that. Here's the deal with Abraham. And the Lord spoke to 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 Abraham. Boy, I want to live that way. Where I am not in a fog of spiritual apathy where I'm trying to make this happen. But I'm living from a God said. I'm living from a word from the Lord. I'm living from, and, and, and listen, and this is for New Testament Christians. Because Romans 4 says that Abraham is the father of our faith. In other words, he is our faith example. And let me tell you what Abraham did. Abraham built an altar. Abraham knew how to connect with God. And from that walk with the Lord, God would lead him. Because see, that's the whole thing about this vision. See, I'm not, today's talk was not a Tony Robbins pep talk. Okay? When I say vision, I'm not just talking about write it down and, and, and create a Pinterest board. Though, do both of those things. I don't know. Is that a thing anymore? I don't even know where I come up with this stuff. Ah, I'm such a boomer. What I, what, what, I, what I mean is you go to the altar and you go, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? What do you, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? And that is the vision. The vision is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not just a strong will to just make things happen. And, and it's okay to do that when you're young. But if you're living your whole life right now, let me, let me talk to, who's under 30? Can I see your hand real quick? Under 30? Everybody? Okay. <laughs> If you're, you can will the life you want when you're young to a certain extent. You won't have the physical energy. Where are my seasoned saints? Come on, talk to me. You won't have the physical energy to just will another thing. So you better get a word from God about your life. So that, because, that, because when you're in your 20s, you can do this and this, 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 and you can just will it to happen because you're young and you have, you know, whatever that is that 20-year-olds have. I forgot it. <laughs> I don't have it anymore. Because at 37, turning 38 this year, celebrating 15 years of marriage this summer, hey. Pray for a financial miracle so I can celebrate this. It's an expensive anniversary, I feel like. I feel like 15, I feel like 14 was like, happy anniversary. I feel like 15, I got to show up, you know? Anyway. <laughs> At 37, I don't have the, just the, the physical energy to will it. 
I have to have a word from God. And, and you, you, you do it in your 20s as well. You just don't know it because you're, you're, you're pushing with adrenaline. But you don't need to live that way. You don't need to live by will. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Man doesn't live by the natural alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, you can get a word from God and live from the word instead of from the bread. I'm done. I hope that helped you today. I hope that helped you. I want you to get a vision.